You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors come to share their stories, insights and tips. Now, back to you, Chris. Now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Mark Player. Let me give you some background on Mark. Yes, he is the son of PGA Tour legend Gary Player. He is also the CEO and founder of the Player Group, Inc. and Black Knight International, which is the parent company of Gary Player Design, Black Knight Enterprises, Black Knight Capital, Gary Player Academy, and the Player Foundation, which is doing amazing things for people all across the globe. So we'll be talking about that in detail. Mark has been managing his dad and his dad's business interests for over 30 years now, and I am honored to have him with me tonight here on Next on the T. Good evening, Mark. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thank you, Chris. Good evening to you, and thank you for that uh, kind and generous introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. So, Mark, I, I want to start by going back to your time after you graduated from college. And I, and I read that, you know, after that graduation and you did your two years of compulsory military service, you actually contacted Mike, uh, Mark McCormick, who represented your father and had been for, for many years, and you went to work for him. So talk about your decision to get into sports and marketing, be a sports agent, and that sort of thing. When did you know that was the route you wanted to take? I really didn't, Chris. I, I, I thought I might end up uh, becoming a veterinary surgeon because uh, our family has been breeding thoroughbred racehorses and grew up on a farm. And I loved animals, and I loved the farm, and I loved the outdoors. And so I thought that growing up, that's what that was perhaps my calling. But after I finished school and, and as you said, finished my military service, I traveled for a while and uh, obviously have grown up in a, in a golfing family. My mom is a scratch player. My uncle is a, was, a, was a professional. My, uh, my mother's father, my grandfather, my grandpa Jock was a pro. So I've been exposed to the game. And uh, growing up and around uh, IMG and Mark McCormack, or Uncle Mark as we called him, um, I asked for an opportunity to, to work with him for a while. And I did so in in Japan and in Hong Kong and in London and Cleveland, Ohio, and then in New York, and ultimately ended up going back to South Africa and starting Black Knight International and representing some of my dad's interests. And at that time, he was just turning uh, 50. So he was getting ready to come out on, on the senior tour, and no one no one knew how, 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 how successful that tour would be or um, how, how dominant he would be as a player. So the timing, as in, as in most things in life, the timing was perfect for me. So there's a couple of things there I, I want to spend some time on, Mark. And the first thing was, I didn't know your mother was a scratch player. That's fantastic. Oh, yes. Yeah, her claim to fame is having, uh, having two hole-in-ones in the first nine, and on the next part three, her ball rolled up and stopped uh, the the previous four will hadn't put the pin back properly and the pin was lying against the cup and the ball stopped against the, the edge of the cup and the and the and, and the flag stick otherwise it would have been three and so she always comes home and says to my to my old man beat that if you can and of course that's almost <laughs> impossible i think uh, that was in the guinness book of records for a while so she came from a, a, a golfing family her brother her father were all um, uh, avid golfers and 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 my dad uh, actually met my met my mum at the golf course. So um, yeah, she she uh, she might well have been have turned pro had it not been uh, for him getting married and then having six children. That put a stop to that. 
And Mark, I had also read that uh, in your relationship with Mark McCormick, your father's relationship with Mark McCormick, and and that uh, in that in those conversations about managing, you know, your father's interests, that you had actually talked to him about, you know what, why don't why don't we split this? You manage my father's interest on the golf course, and I'll take it off the golf course. But in, in the story that I read, it was sort of essentially like, okay, kid, here you go. You take all the risk. You pay your dad a flat rate. You pay me 25%. If there's anything left for you, good. You know, you can keep that piece. So was it, was that the way it went? Was it sort of sink or swim for you and, and taking over yeah, that piece very, of your dad? Yeah, very much, very much so, Chris. It was, uh, it was really more McCormack and Alistair Johnson's idea that says, well, if you want to start a business and you want to own it and you want to manage it and run it and hold the equity in it, and take the risk in it and raise whatever working capital you might need, fine, but your old man's not going to be your partner. He's not going to cover you. You need to pay him a royalty off the top, and we'll change that percentage. Basically, the more time he spends on something, the greater percentage he gets. The less he spends on it, the more you get. And that was in, um, well, it's 33 years ago. Was he, turned, he turned 83 last week on November the 1st. And that was the 33rd year that I've uh, I've owned and managed and operated Black Knight International, and um, we've had a wonderful wonderful three decades together. I must say it's been uh, it's been an honor, it's been a privilege. Uh, I've n- I never uh, would think of telling him how to play the game of golf, and uh, uh, fortunately he's had confidence in me in managing the brand and the business and making the decisions off the golf course. And you mentioned it came at right at the time that your father turned 50, and now all of a sudden he's transitioning over to the senior tour. So was it a bit easier of a sell for McCormick to give you control of, of, of that side of the business? Because, you know, back then we didn't know what the senior tour was going to become. And 50 years old probably thought, you know what, hey, he's he's winding down, and there's not going to be a lot of interest off the golf course. But all of a sudden, you know, the senior tour explodes, and your father – has a world of success over there, but was it easier because he probably thought, eh, not, not much is going to happen? Um, what had happened is prior to that, I had exclusively signed a deal to represent IMG and the then TWI, Transworld International, which was their sports programming rights division. And uh, the business had boomed because of the uh, the introduction of pay television. Historically, South Africa had one incumbent, the SABC, the South African Broadcasting Corporation, who would buy Wimbledon or would buy the Masters or buy the rights to the Olympic Games or the World Cup of football soccer. And so I had done a deal with Mark that not a lot was happening in South Africa with just that SABC. I knew that the Mnet Supersport was coming along, and so there would be a, a, a war, a rights war, and I rode that way for a couple of years, grew the television uh, rights revenues by a couple of thousand percent. So the deal with my dad was really more of a McCormack and IMG saying, hey, we want our business back and we'll give you this 50-year-old guy called Gary Player because really, how much more can you do with him on the senior tour? So Mark, I imagine a lot of our listeners don't really understand the depth and the breadth of what the player group and what uh, Black Knight International is all about. Talk about all of the different things that you guys are involved with right now. Well, obviously, we built this around uh, my father's glorious career, global career on the, on the golf course, 
over, you know, what's it, 60 years that he's been playing and winning. Um, your readers will, 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 will know as well, if not better than me, you know, the 167 victories over six decades. He's won nine majors on the regular, nine on the senior tour. And, um, and he's really, he's been, he, he was doing all of this at a time when you didn't have private jets and the conveniences that come with, with playing on these tours around the world today. And so I have great respect for what he achieved as a player, as a professional, uh, and the, the time and the dedication that he put into building his name, his reputation and his, and his professional career. What I try to do was say, okay, how do we take that and parlay that into businesses that are surrounding his name and his time and his reputation? And that's the same as that Nicholas has done or Palmer has done or Greg Norman has done. Um, and, and, and you, as you would imagine, golf course design, events, some licensing opportunities. Um, and, and in our case, we, we, we found that we formed the foundation. You may recall, Chris, in 1965, when my father became the third man to win the, the Grand Slam, Sarazen was the first, then Hogan, then player. And if you think about it, that was in 1965. Only two players since then have won the Grand Slam, and that's Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods. Um, you know, going back then, when he won the U.S. Open to complete his Grand Slam, he gave back, and he didn't have a lot of money. Unlike today, you can you don't have to win and you become a multimillionaire. He gave back his prize money to cancer research because his mother died of cancer when he was eight years of age. And he gave it to junior golf development to the USGA. And so that philanthropic element that, that he, right back then he was, he, he, he created a foundation and started this. How do I make a difference? Initially back in South Africa, I picked up on that and we've now raised through the player foundation. We've raised 60, almost $65 million. Our goal, our quest, as we call it, is to get to a hundred million before he, um, he kicks the bucket or disappears or retires. And we've done a great job, I think, of helping to make a difference in a lot of underprivileged children's lives. In China, we have an AIDS orphanage. Um, in Japan, we've helped the the uh, the tsunami victims, and there's so many young people that lost their, their families and their homes. And then in Europe, the homeless in London. In South Africa, underprivileged education, a lot of kids who just won't get a chance to go to school. And then here in the States as well, in Latin America. So we've uh, we, those are the businesses that I try to focus on and build. Uh, we've done just over 400 golf courses worldwide. We have a great series of these Gary Play Invitational Pro-Am events, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, but at this point in time, I'm now looking at where do we go in the future? What do we do to uh, transcend not only Gary Player's career as a professional golfer or the businesses that we've built to date, but where do we go in the next 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years? Two things that you just talked about, certainly the last one I want to get to here in a minute. But Mark, you mentioned licensing the brand. I have to imagine over the years, hundreds of companies have come to you guys wanting to license the player name on all sorts of products. How do you decide who to do business with? And you know, when do you say, you know what, I think we'll pass? Uh, good question, Chris. I think, um, you know, if you looked at Nicholas and Palmer and player, the big three, um, IMG strategy and owning the Arnold Palmer name and brand was to license the hell out of it. Arnold was the Pierre Cardin of golf, uh, hundreds of licensing, very little uh, concern about the quality of the product or the territory or where it was or what the class and or um, a country that, that they licensed the umbrella and the name Arnold Palmer to. And then when you have three or four or 500 licensing deals, 
um, that run that have a minimum return, a minimum guarantee, and maybe there's four or five or six percent royalty on it. Now that volume, i.e. Pierre Cardin, you make a lot of money, but I'm not so sure that you you have a brand and a name um, that is pristine. And so my view was that's not the way I want to go. Yes, it's made IMG and 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 Palmer a lot of money. Nicholas recently, as you know, sold his business to Howard Milstein, and they're going the licensing route. Historically, I've stayed away. I've rather had equity in smaller businesses that we own and manage and can control, and as opposed to a myriad of licenses with different companies in different parts of the world. So we've had three kind of different strategies. Um, the Palmer one has been very successful financially. I'm not sure how long it can be sustained. Um, that'll be up to IMG and, 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 and to see whether they can, they can continue to do that. It'll be interesting to see what Milstein and his, his people do now that Jack and, and has stepped down, as it were, from day to day activity. Of course, it's no surprise that my dad is the energizer bunny and he thinks he's 53, not 83. And he keeps calling me and saying, well, where are we going? What's happening? What's next? I, I, uh, I'm ready to, to get on a plane. What, what's, what's the next deal? What's the next project? And so I'm trying to manage his time, his, um, I'm, I'm at 83, even though he's, a, he's fit and healthy and energetic. Obviously, as you get older, you need to, you need to look after yourself more carefully. And so I'm trying to be judicious in, in how I make decisions about who we do business with. And really, it's why it's been quality rather than quantity. So, Mark, to your point. As you look ahead to 2019 and, and beyond, what is the legacy? What, what are the things that you're working on that you're envisioning that we, you know, when we no longer have your father here with us, but the player brand and the name will continue to go on? What are the things you're looking at? Well, I've tried to take a couple examples. One certainly is to take our existing corporate partners. So if you take Rolex, uh, Rolex and Gary Player did their deal in 1965. And I, I think I'm right in saying this. I stand to correction. But I think that from 1965, and I just last year renewed for a 10-year term, I think that the Rolex-Gary Player endorsement relationship is the longest-standing endorsement with any athlete in any sport anywhere in the world from 1965, and it's going to run for another 10 years. So I've, what I've tried to say to them is, and, and they've been fantastic to work with, is to say, okay, what happens if he dies? So when Arnold Palmer dies, is there still a Rolex relationship? Sure there is. We can use the name, the logo, the likeness, the signature. We can dig into our archives and use some of the, the film and video and, 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 and voice that we have to keep that relationship alive. So on the one level, I'm trying to extend the endorsement relationships that we have with people like a Rolex that continue beyond his death. The second part of the strategy is to say, can we raise this $100 million, put that away as an endowment, have that professionally managed, and the, royal, the return on that endowment will continue in perpetuity, building on the legacy of Gary Player in terms of his philanthropic side of things. And then as far as the brand itself is concerned, as we know, there are 100 million golfers worldwide. And I would venture to say that 99 million think that he's okay. They know he wears black, that he's high energy, that he's into diet and health and really the pioneer of fitness in golf. So how do we take some of those brand attributes and how do we build a product, a series of products, whether that be 
a Gary Player series for Netflix or Amazon? Uh, or is there a, a range of luxury goods that could be de developed around the Gary Player name? What about the diet and health fitness products? One only has to look at uh, Paul Newman, who's been dead, I don't know, 20 or 30 years now, and his food products, his, his popcorn and his salad dressings are alive and well, raising lots of money for the Hole in the Wall gang. So I'm spending a lot of time now, almost all of my time, looking at saying, how can I ensure that the legacy of Gary Player, that his name and his reputation, what he personally achieved during his playing career and what I've tried to work hard at achieving from a business, that it will continue beyond not only his lifetime, but beyond mine as well. When you go into the Chanel boutique today, you don't demand to see Coco. Coco Chanel has been dead for a long time, but her essence, her mystery, her her, her reputation, her legacy is in that bottle of number five. And so that's what I'm working on. Can I really build for the, really no one else in, in the world of golf has built an ongoing luxury lifestyle business beyond their, their, their lifetime. And uh, that's my goal. That's my aim. That's what I'm spending my time on, Chris. And Mark, I, I would have to believe because to your point a moment ago about fitness and health, I mean, your father is almost a picture of fitness and health, certainly around golf. And I would, I would have had to have imagined that people are after you all the time to endorse a diet, endorse these supplements, maybe gyms and things of that nature. Is there, is that something that, you know, as you mentioned a moment ago, boy, that just seems like a perfect fit for, uh, for your father's image. Absolutely. I think that's a, it's a, it's a natural extension of who he is and what he's done. I mean, he's walked the walk and talked the talk for, for six decades or more now in terms of that diet, that health, that fitness fanatic that he is. And how do we convert that into meaningful businesses and revenue streams that are on an ongoing basis? So, for example, there's a great Italian company called Technogym that makes some of the most beautifully designed and functional exercise equipment. He'd be a natural to be a spokesman for them worldwide, but also to develop some Gary Player-specific golf products that we could license and have an ongoing revenue stream and focus on the golf country clubs and resorts around the world to get a Gary Player collaboration with Technogym into those clubs, into those fitness centers around the world. And so that's absolutely something that I'm, I'm, I'm spending, as I said, a great deal of time on focusing, finding those best of breed, if you like, those global companies that we have a, a synergistic brand DNA with that we could collaborate with, that we could work with, and that rather than just license the name to it, that we actually bring value, both of us, so one and one, if you like, equals four or five. And if those are done carefully and and, and, and cautiously, um, I think we have a really good shot at building this out over the next uh, next couple of decades. Mark, just a couple of more before we let you go. And talking about golf products, and, and your father's name has been on golf clubs, with companies like Shakespeare back in the day and Northwestern and, and golf balls with Shakespeare as well and, and Ram for a while. And I know your father had a good relationship for a long time with Callaway. Are you looking at anything along those lines to affiliate the player brand with? I know Mr. Nicholas licensed his own golf balls as well. Are those things that you're also considering? No, not at the moment. I, I think the hard goods business is a very, very tough business. You you may or may not recall notwithstanding the brands that he endorsed through the years, we did start the Gary Player Golf Equipment Company. And after I'd lost $25 million um, and, and been given a good spanking, 
uh, I realized that I'd, we had bitten off more than we could chew. If Nike, with all their capital and their unbelievable marketing, marketing expertise and their, their penetration across the globe in terms of, of their brand and their business, if they can't make the hard goods business work, I don't think I can. And so I'm not looking at uh, – I think there could be a license for the right type of ball – I would have loved to be involved with the ball that went to Costco, for example, that is a good quality ball that you and I can play with. The pro won't. But I don't believe that you should be paying a couple of bucks for a Titleist, a couple of bucks a ball, let alone a sleeve, for a Titleist Pro V1. It's not going to really make any difference to your game. It might make a difference to the pro. In my humble opinion, I think there's, you know, you and I, to spend that sort of money on a ball that I'm just going to hit further into the bush or the water, I would have loved to be involved with licensing the Gary Player name to the Costco ball, for example. But no, I'm not looking at hard goods. I'm looking at soft goods. I'm looking at luxury goods. I believe that there's a within that 100 million golfers worldwide, they are amongst the most affluent people. I think there are a group of them, one, two, three, four, five percent, which effectively means one or two or three or four or five million people love Gary Player, know what he stands for. And if I can provide them a great product, um, I think they uh, at, a, at, a, at, a, at the right price and, and deliver to them. Uh, technology today has really made such a huge shift in the way we buy and the way retail is is run and operated. And uh, I think if we can do that, I think we've got uh, we've got an exciting future ahead of us. But it doesn't really include today hard goods uh, and more, uh, for me because having done that and realized how difficult it is, I think once bitten is twice shy. Mark, as, as we've been talking about, you've been managing this brand now for over three decades. What's the greatest compliment you've received from someone about the great work that you're doing? Well, two, two people, well, three people jumped to mind. One is Mark McCormack, who before he died tragically, put his arm around me at Condusti at, uh, at the Open Championship the year be- a couple of years before he died. And he said, um, I really admire what you've done for your dad, both on a personal level and from a brand point of view. And so that was really the father of sports marketing for him to, who was not quick with a compliment, to, to say that to me meant the world. Uh, the second was uh, one of the biggest luxury goods firms in the world is a company called Richemont. Uh, and it owns Dunhill and Cartier and Montblanc. And it's run and operated by a South African called Johan Rupert, who's a notoriously difficult bugger. He's a lovable man, and he's uh, been incredibly successful. And we designed Leopard Creek for him, overlooking the Kruger National Park in South Africa. That's ranked amongst the top 50 golf courses in the world. And I went to talk to him about the brand and the business because I thought maybe Richemont would do something with us. And he said, I wouldn't normally talk to somebody uh, you know, like you, but I do admire what you've done with the brand, with your dad, and with the business, so let's chat. And then the last and perhaps the most important of all is my father. Because if I, if we didn't, if we didn't do a good job, if we weren't able to work together, it's not easy to work sometimes with a father and a son or with your family. And the fact that we managed to do this and, um, and really I can count the disagreements we've had on one, maybe one and a half hands. And so that's not too shabby. And, uh, for that I'm both proud and grateful. And, uh, I, I work hard, but I love what I do and I've been very lucky. To have a father who's achieved what he's done and to be able to have mentors around the world like Mark McCormack and a couple of others 
who've helped keep me uh, keep me on track. So it's been it's been a lot of fun, and I really I I wake up every morning very excited to get to work, very excited about the future, and uh, I really believe that we can we can do something special with the Gary Player brand in the decades to come. Well, Mark, I, I got to tell you one thing before I let you go, and I and I've been blessed to have your father on the show for the last five years during Masters Week, and and I've said this to him: it's it's your father's voice that I hear inside my head when I think about buying ice cream, eating chips. I, I hear his voice say to me, "Come on, man, that's poison." That's those are the things that I hear, and I grab blueberries instead. But it's your father's voice made such hey, an impression hey, on me. Chris, the years you only have to hear it once a year during the Masters. We have to hear it every week, 52 weeks of the year. Mark, that's poison, that's sugar, don't eat it. So you're lucky. You only have one show once a year at, the, at Augusta. I've got to have it every other week. <laughs> that's great. Like I say, it's always in the back of my head if I'm going to go and grab something I know I shouldn't be eating. Mark, before we let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing with the player brand, both online and on social media as well? Yes, I think that's the best way today. It's such a wonderful, if you think what the iPhone or the or the, the, the phone, or the, the, the cellular phone is really only, the Apple iPhone has been around, what, 10 or 11 years, and how did we all communicate before? So I think GaryPlayer.com, following Gary Player on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter, there's a lot of great content. We have a very, very rich archives that we've kept uh, and built over the last couple of decades that go back to him as a child and, 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 and will have things that happened yesterday. So the best way is to, is to follow him on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, and, um, and absolutely visit our website. I'm busy rebuilding our whole shop online. So those who, Gary Player fans who are out there who want to stay in touch, Enroll, we have a monthly newsletter that goes out that gives you not a very commercial newsletter, but a little bit more informative. So we'd love to have you join us and have love to have you part of the of the Black Knight team and family. Well, Mark, it has been absolutely outstanding having you as part of the show tonight. I hope you'll come back sometime, share more of your stories and your insights, keep us up to date with what's going on with the brand. You've been a, a, a huge joy to have as part of the show tonight. Well, I thank you for having me, Chris. It's, uh, it's an honor and a privilege, as I said. And uh, I'd love to come on again if there's something of value that we can add. And again, to you and to all your listeners, all the best and thank you very much. Same to you, Mark. All the best to you and your father and the rest of your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. That is Mark Player. Again, he is the founder of the Player Group and Black Knight International, been uh, managing his father's brand now for over 30 years, doing a fantastic job. I love the Player Foundation and all the great things that they are doing for so many charities. You heard Mark talk about it. They're doing a lot of great things for people all over the world. And then the idea of where the brand was when it started, when he first you know, started working with Mark McCormick to where they're at today, and then all the opportunities that uh, that he is putting together for his father's legacy to live far beyond his father's years. And like Mark said, even beyond his own years. So really great stuff. And I can't thank Mark enough for being a part of the show tonight. Really look forward to catching up with him again, hopefully sometime real soon. All right. I've got my next guest, Alex Hamill, hanging on the line. Going to get the Alex on the other side of these words about our friends at the PGA Tour Superstore. <laughs> 